This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apanov. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast, and I'm Andrew Apanov. All for today's interview that you're about to hear was recorded by Josh Urban. You may have heard him on the show already or read his articles on the Data Music blog of the last several years. This episode is a part in a series of features from the Future of Music Policy Summit, which took place a couple of weeks back in Washington, D.C. It was covered by our reporter Josh and uh, the Data Music CMO Corey Wolf. Uh, you can check out the datamusic.com blog for written posts, such as Corey's conversation with the founder of uh, uh, CD Baby, and keep your ears peeled on this very podcast for audio recordings, well, such as this one. We've got something really cool today. Um, You're about to hear an interview with Cedric Coben, the founder of Tracks. What these guys do is the future, I mean it. Uh, Cedric will explain how the platform works, but I want to tell you right away that it may not make perfect sense to you in the first minutes if you don't know much about this whole topic especially or for example don't know how bitcoin works because this thing is very similar uh, if, if in short Tracks is based on a peer-to-peer blockchain network called muse it was created specifically for the music industry needs and it's kind of a decentralized global database of copyrights and it's also a means of payment. So um, it's important to know that it's not owned by anyone and pretty much immortal like internet. Tracks itself is a music streaming, retail and the music discovery platform uh, built on top of Muse and it allows fans to support artists in pretty unique ways. You will hear what I mean by that and uh, it's pretty mind-blowing. Uh, once again, the system itself isn't tied to peer tracks. It's independent, fully transparent, which is different from how music industry has been organized, as you may know. Uh, so please listen to the conversation in full. It's just around 20 minutes, and I promise it will all make more sense to you. Check out the links in the show notes to find out more about peer tracks and views and sign up as an artist for their alpha version. And now listen to Josh Urban's interview with Cedric Coburn from Tracks. Hey, right. this is Josh Urban from the Future of Music Coalition's Annual Policy Summit, and I'm sitting here with Cedric from Tracks. Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. So tell me about Tracks and all this cool technology that I don't understand and and hopefully our listeners will learn right along with me. So what you got going on here? All right, so break it up if it becomes a monologue, there's a lot to say. Go ahead, Um, I'm listening. PeerTracks, we're a company, it is a centralized company, there's an owner, but we're using a blockchain to do the heavy lifting for a bunch of stuff we'll get into. The blockchain itself is an ownerless entity. That would be the main Thing to understand is that we had to create the car and the road. Pure tracks by itself can't do anything, and the blockchain just by itself can do stuff, but it requires a use case. So Pure tracks is that use case. To explain what a blockchain is first, let's start with the actual infrastructure. Sounds great. The infrastructure itself, you have to see the blockchain as both a database and a means of payment. 
So in the uh, blockchain itself, you can track movement of funds, say it's peer-to-peer, it's ownerless, it's distributed across the globe. No one can shut it down. No one can censor information or a transaction, anything like that. The only people... Well, okay, so I'll explain how we're using it directly. The blockchain itself has smart contracts on it. For the music industry, a smart contract would be all the metadata involved in a song. So you have the track number, the track title, copyright owners. You can even list all the publishers, all lyricists, composers. The thing we add to that, so that would be a big global database for the music industry. For every single song that's out there, there would be an, an associated smart contract. This would be a database like any other database exists. The difference is there's an automatic royalty payment splitter on there. So on top of just having all your metadata, you also have instructions. That's why it's called the smart contracts. It's a self-executing contract. Okay. So if a dollar goes in to that smart contract, it knows where to split it. So you could code it to say, if my song is streamed from Germany, Funds go to this person, that label, this lyricist, this composer. If my song is downloaded from Canada, this, 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 and that happens. So you can put in as many information as you want. The other thing that would be in a smart contract are uh, licensing. So you could say on the contract itself, I want $50 and you can use it for YouTube videos. Or I want 100 bucks and you can use it for uh, a movie preview. I want 1000 to put it in a Hollywood film. You can put in very basic information that doesn't require a lawyer to enforce because the contract is self-executing. And Interesting. blockchains being a public ledger, similar to the internet, it's not closed off. Anybody can see that. This means a user could see that this song, it costs 50 bucks to use for a preview. He could send $50 on the blockchain because it's a means of payment. And that would prove that he has the rights to use that song on YouTube. So it's a very cool way to monetize your rights that has no middleman. You don't have to go through lawyers. You don't have to learn how to navigate the complex world of the music industry for this specific situation. And it's very nice because the immutable part is the history. So say I, I just created that smart contract. I put in all my metadata, all my licensing info, all the automatic royalty payment splitter. Say my drummer dies, overdose. It's always the drummer. Yeah, it always is. It always is. (laughs) So say drummer dies, I have to replace him. I can log in and just change the actual splitter itself. You don't have to be the artist doing it. It could be your manager. It could be multiple people. There's a thing called multi-signature transactions where I could have a key, you could have a key, and nothing can be altered unless we both sign Basically, wow. we both log in. Right. And you can do that up to 12 people, you know, 50 people if you want. So it's, it's very cool in that way, whereas it's very dis- the power is very distributed in the way it works, but even in the smart contract. You could be the sole owner of it. You could be your own artist. Everything goes to you, so no need for the royalty payment splitter. It's just great that you get your funds instantly instead of wow. receiving a check. So, well, this sounds really interesting. Okay, so from what I understand, so you are explaining it to me earlier, so... Blockchain, and like I said earlier, I was looking up on Wikipedia because this is a new thing to me. It shouldn't be a new thing. You explained Bitcoin, so it can't be shut down. It can't be censored. There is no third party. So not only can you sell directly to the artist, so therefore circumventing iTunes, but you're also dealing with rights. So you're cutting Harry Fox, for example. The Harry Fox agency is an American one, or the licensing people or lawyers right out of the picture. Basically, if I have a song and you want to use it, 
the smart contract says, this is what it is. This is how you use it. And it's directly peer-to-peer. Correct. Hence the name now, peer you Exactly. Now, this is for basic things that don't require lawyers. There are more complicated contracts. It could be, you know, you could negotiate a deal for a certain Hollywood production. You probably wouldn't put the Hollywood production. You want right. to negotiate for that kind of thing. Yeah. So we're automating the things that are boring or that a robot can do. Right. What's automizable, we automate. Wow. But things that do require an expert and somebody to negotiate for you, then yeah, you, you have to keep using, you know, a lawyer for that or an agency, but we try to make it as easy as possible for all the small stuff. Well, I would think that would be a huge market because I think yeah. I, for me, you know, if, if I want to license something, if I want to make a music video or if I want to sample something or whatever, I mean, that's just, I'm, I don't, it's like, forget it. So there's got to be so much there that you can snap up with that. So am I correct in, in thinking that if you get this established and this really seems like a futuristic thing that is, you know, coming on down the pike here, Will it bypass iTunes? Our platform? So I, I explained a little bit on the blockchain, right. so I'll explain peer tracks. Yeah. What we're doing is a retail store. You can opt in to have it stream as well. There's multiple reasons why the individual would want to have his stuff stream on the peer tracks, which I'll go into a little bit later. And you also have fan engagement and talent discovery. And that all has to do with the blockchain. And All right, so if we just go for the retail part, that's a very simple part. Normally, when you're buying something on iTunes, say there's a huge fee. Sometimes it's because of the credit card and the iTunes cut. And there's a lot of uh, aggregator as well is required. Now, with PeerTrax, when you upload your song to PeerTrax, you upload the digital file to the centralized service called PeerTrax. The data you're inputting is printed on the blockchain as a smart contract. So PeerTrax doesn't really... It's not the one who's holding that data. If PeerTrax dies, you didn't do that for nothing. It's on the immortal blockchain. PeerTrax is merely viewing the data on the blockchain itself so that it knows who it belongs to, who to pay. So if a user has a dollar and he's sending it, he wants to buy a... I'm always using that artist, but he's just... (laughs) He wants to buy a Justin Bieber. I think every interview I've done, I use Justin Bieber. Hey, here we go. So, well, stay consistent. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to buy and By the way, you're Justin from Canada, Bieber. right? Justin Bieber is your friend. Yeah, I know. I take full responsibility. <laughs> so if you're trying to send a buck to buy a song, those funds go directly on the blockchain peer-to-peer. They don't even go through peer tracks. Wow. Now, the funds will go either to Justin Bieber or to the smart contract associated to that song. If he's the sole writer, owner, everything, so a uh, self-published, self-written, uh, everything, he could receive 100% of his funds. But if you send it to a smart contract, every single person is paid instantly. So at the speed of sending an email, you get your royalties. Wow, um, that's amazing. And all PeerTrax does is view the data on the blockchain. We see, oh, look, this person sent money to this smart contract. This means he purchased that song give him the download. So we just allow him to download the MP3. So that would be how retail functions. The other part that's very interesting, and this goes a little bit more into the history of how PeerTrax began. I was looking into, I got into Bitcoin and I saw that there were a couple artists. Uh, There's one, Tatiana Moroz. She was starting uh, Tatiana Coin. So she had her own blockchain, her own miners, which are the people running the network. And that's a lot, that's a huge, huge barrier to actually getting your own token out there. And um, the problem with it, other than the huge barrier, was that the token itself doesn't track the value of the artist's popularity or the artist's career. So it's two independent metrics. Okay. 
what I was trying to figure out is how could we tie the value of a token, a cryptographic token, to an artist's success? This is where the original idea came out. Uh, so I, I went into the community, the whole crypto community, started chatting about that, created a thread, and what came out of it is pretty much the original PureTrax concept before the whole royalty part. This is just the side effect. The royalty thing is a side effect, which is a great side effect, but uh, that wasn't the main focus. The main focus is to have, we're calling them notes. Every single artist profile has notes tied to it. So if you're Rihanna, use the other artists I always use as an example, you have your own profile and you have your notes. You say, oh, I want uh, a million notes. And those are little tradable VIPs into the artist's world. There's many reasons why you would want to create those. They could be a great crowdfunding mechanism. You can just sell them to your fans. Instead of just, instead of just being a tip jar, you, you get a note in return. Or you can get you know, 400 bucks worth of notes. You can do whatever you want. Blockchains have no monetary limits. Now, the reason a fan would want a note of a superstar is because as a VIP ticket, they're like fungible VIP passes that you can trade. So if oh. you have, and normally VIP passes or subscriptions are binary. You're either subscribed or you're not. Right. In this case, you could buy just a penny worth of a note. They're divisible, oh. infinitely divisible. You could just buy a penny's worth or you could buy $400 worth. This changes the game of knowing who your most engaged fans are. You could have someone who's just kind oh. of interested in the benefits, like, oh, apparently she gives out live shows for her note holders. I'm going to buy some of that because I want to get into that action. Or you could say, I want a lot because I want to be in the top 100 because I've seen her give free concert tickets to her top 100. Top wow. 10, get backstage passes and, you know, free back wow. rubs and, you know, whatever. So it's almost uh, stock in, in the artist. Uh, well, it, well, it would look like it. The main difference is that it is not a, uh, it's not equity in a, in a venture. There's nothing legally binding and it's all about what the artist offers. So you could see it as tradable VIP passes or subscriptions that are tradable, but they're fungible. They're divisible and they're combinable. So it, there, there's more of a, a tiered effect to it. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So that would be the, the big artist. The big artist who already has a fan base, he would want to have his notes and he would try to give as much stuff as possible because the more stuff he gives for it, the more people want the note, more demand equals higher price. So he want, he's sitting on a little pile of his own notes. He's not selling them all out. He wow. benefits from the fact that he's being super generous with his super fans. And the super fans want in because... You know, if you get Oprah, right? You know, yeah, hey, free right. convertibles for everybody. And right, right, exactly. Same exact uh, concept. So you could have a little battle of who has the best, you know, offerings for their note holders. Oh, look at this. Advertisers could come in. Hey, Pharrell, we want you to give away 100 pairs of Reeboks sneakers to your top 100 right. fans. And there's a difference between the top. You can't know who your top likers are on Facebook. Some people love you, but they've never really went to your Facebook profile and clicked the thumbs up. Some people thumbs up every single thing that shows up. Right. So it's very, some are trigger happy. Some don't really care. Right. So with the notes, you actually know, the advertiser also knows, oh, look, it's not just <laughs> you click. It's actually somebody who put his money where his, his mouth is. Oh, engaged fan base, known spenders, known consumers. I want to get into that. And it gives a bunch of different opportunities for the artist to monetize wow. his own career. And it's opt-in, of course. He doesn't have to, to accept. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're an artist and you don't want to accept money from the 
military industrial complex. <laughs> right. You don't have to. Right, right. So it's very opt-in. It gives more power to the artist. Now, we were just talking about artists. Stop me if, I, if no, I'm No, no, this All is right. great. Keep on, keep on <laughs> rolling. Keep on rolling. So this is how it works for an already discovered artist. If you're not discovered, the same exact note has a completely different function. It's a talent discovery mechanism. Your note's value is tied to your popularity and your success on peer tracks or on the whole blockchain. So the more you're streamed, the more you sell, whether it's merchandise tickets, just music, the more your notes can have value. Now, that being said, once you are a new artist and you show up, you should probably price your note very low because you want to register in the trending category, which I'll get into in a second. Good thing this is recorded. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. Keep on going. Right. Yeah. So if you go to peer tracks, you have three columns. You've got the new column, which is just what's been uploaded chronologically. You have the trending and you have the top. So say you're a big fan of electro swing. You type hashtag electro swing and you see everything that's new. You might not be a curator, you don't care, you just want to create a cool playlist or you just want to listen, go to the top stuff or the trending stuff. If, on the other hand, you're into finding new artists, go to the new section and start listening to everything. This is good, not too bad, next, next. You can just skip down the list. When you find something that's amazing, sure you can like it, sure you can add it to a playlist, sure you can share it. It has all the features that are normally present in a, a site like this. But the big kicker is that now you can say, buy notes. Who is this artist? I want to buy some notes because if you were right and he will become a success, he is going to have a valuable note. You might get a bunch of advertiser benefits from it, free pizzas, free Starbucks, free shows, and the note itself might be worth a lot. And you might be able to scalp it sort of to somebody else who wants into that membership. That, uh, it gets better (laughs) when you're actually uh, buying that note, say at a penny, oh man, I'm putting a buck into that artist. First of all, you're contributing to his career. He's getting those funds directly peer-to-peer, and it registers on a public blockchain. What we do is we look at the volume. Oh, look at this. This note went from a buck to three, from a buck to three bucks, and there's like 500 people buying it. This registered in our trending column. This is what populates our trending column. So we don't just put what's trending by what was clicked. We put where people thought, this is so freaking good, I'm going to put money to get the memberships. Exactly. So once you have a trending column, it's a positive feedback loop. More people are that, that aren't curators, they're not interested in finding the, listening to all the garage bands. They want to go straight to what's trending right now. And oh my God, this is going to be the next, you know, Milky Chance or right, the next right. Pharrell. And then you can, once again, share it, buy it. And the magic is that once you have notes, you're magically incentivized to promote the hell out of that artist. You're going to share them right. on social media, on Twitter. You're going to scream his name from the rooftops because now you're not just altruistic that you, you like this person's music. You've also, we've harnessed the power of self-interest. Now like, wow, this is so cool. I, I want to get, you know, Dude, I, I want this. Awesome, right. Yeah, right. we're tying the incentives of. Yeah, because, right, because it's personal, personal stake. Exactly. Now you have stake in that artist's wow. success. So it's not, one of the big problems is that there's at least 100,000 songs uploaded to the iTunes store and nobody can listen to them all. Every week, every week. Oh, wow. that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just amazing. Just yeah, amazing. nobody can go through that. Right. But if you have a, a bunch of people that are now motivated to dig through that stuff, to find the undervalued note slash undiscovered talent, then you have an actual, it's not just a hobby. I'm going to look through some music that I, I 
might not be good. No, no, now you're digging for gold. You're trying to find those undervalued notes. Wow. It might create a bunch of artists that would never have been discovered to flourish. Sort of crowdsourcing talent scouts. Exactly, crowdsourcing wow. talent scouts. Wow. I, I'm going to write that one down. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Feel free. I'm stealing Feel your... Sure. Hey, hey, absolutely. Well, okay, so, well, this is awesome. So now, okay, so question about you're calling it the storefront? Is that what you're calling it? The Peer Tracks interface? Yeah, so that would be the actual, uh, there can be many, many, many companies plugging into the blockchain. We're reading it for the notes, who own, because it tracks the ownership of notes, who okay. has them. So it's not under Peer Tracks control. You're not, you're not trusting Peer Tracks with funds, not trusting them with your notes, you're not trusting them with your smart contracts. We're just an interface that allows you to, to view yeah. the info. And we host the MP3s. So any other company could say, oh, I have this MP3, the song Happy by Pharrell. He could check on the blockchain. If Pharrell already put his info on the blockchain, he would know, all right, I know exactly who the right holders are. I can pay them automatically. So it's not a monopoly of peer tracks. Right now it is because we're the only ones and we're launching. Right, right. So so it eventually, right. So so my question to you is, right, so like if I put, so I'm an artist too. So I put, you know, call my distributor and say, okay, here's my new song. And I want it to go on iTunes. And only iTunes. Yeah. So that's really the only place that people can get that. So if I say, okay, I'm an artist and I'm putting my song out, get that going there. So if I'm an artist, I'm putting my song out. I put it, and again, forgive my slowness with this. So I put it, no, that's fine. I, so I put it on the blockchain and then anybody, so any number of interfaces can access that. Yes. Okay. So now the question is, is so does it cost me anything? And how does your company make money with that? If that's something that you're yeah, publicly no, disclosing. Yeah, very, very comfortable. So, so on a blockchain, there's an anti-spam mechanism. Those are the transaction fees. So every time you change something to the ledger, it costs a microtransaction. So we're talking like a penny. Okay. It could be much less than that. So when you're publishing your smart contract and you're putting your smart contract on there, it will cost a transaction fee. And that's about it. And in the beginning, we're probably going to have it subsidized by PeerTrack so we can get users on board. But eventually, people have to expect to update this ledger. It costs a transaction fee, which is well worth it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well totally, yeah. So, for example, the second question was, how does PeerTrack make money? We have a couple mechanisms. When the funds for downloads, we will charge a fee. We don't hold the funds. So when you're, you're buying a download and you send a dollar to the smart contract, there will be a percentage taken from that and the rest, the balance goes into the, to the smart contract. So that would be one of our monetization, just transaction fees on top. And the other thing would be the advertising. So the advertising to the specific note holders because PeerTrax has push notification. So if you have Bieber note, Rihanna note and all the others, and they're, they're giving out pizzas and Starbucks and you know, Volkswagens for all, you get a push notification like, oh, Redeem this coupon at Foot Lockers and get Rebucks, right? right. So this uh, advertisers will go through us because this is the service our platform performs. We're using the data on the blockchain to know where you know, much of the information, but our service is the push notification. We have, you know, we have other data as well as other companies would. There's data that's collected privately, like, uh, you know, things that you wouldn't want your user's information on the blockchain. You wouldn't right. want any private information on the blockchain. You just yeah. want to know you know, what account has how many uh, Bieber notes and right. uh, what smart contract, who, right. which copyright holders, blah, blah. Excellent. Does that yeah. answer the yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right. So, so in other words, so the advertisers are paying you for access to the users. 
Yes. And and then for pushing the promotions for, for, for out, pushing yeah. the promotions, right, right. So in other words, accessing your database of the users. So then from an artist standpoint, so you mentioned, so there's a transaction fee. So how does that compare to say iTunes or Google Play or something like that? Oh yeah. Um, right now we put it at uh, 5%. Oh wow. So that means if you're buying a song that's a buck, you're getting about 95 cents. Wow. So That's incredible. Cause yeah. was iTunes at 40%? Is that it, the- well, there's a lot of cuts coming out. There's the iTunes, but there's also a lot of times they have to go through an aggregator. iTunes right. won't allow you to upload your own stuff. You have to go through an aggregator, which is, I understand why they do that, but for simplicity, but the artist ends up on the main retail store. He ends up having two people, two middlemen, like minimum, an obligation of two middlemen taking a cut. So we eliminate all that and we don't have the huge, we don't have the huge cost associated with their database, their server, the the credit card companies. Credit cards aren't very good for microtransactions because they take the percentage plus normally it's about 30 cents. So... It's not designed for micropayments. This is one of the reasons why we, we kind of took this technology to the music industry first. You can apply it to many places, but if you're buying a table that's 50 bucks, yeah. Yeah, big deal. Yeah, right. exactly. You don't really right. mind the, the 30 cents, but if it's a dollar download, yeah. that's a huge profit that you're, right. you're missing out on. No kidding. Wow, that is really interesting. So, and you're saying, so there can eventually be other interfaces that access the blockchain. Yeah, so, different services. Right. It doesn't have to be streaming or they don't have to emulate what we're doing. It could be something totally different, maybe just a platform for creating the smart contracts or verification or maybe helping you get a copyright number and putting it into your smart. Right. Whatever it is, it, we're trying to make it into the foundation of a music industry that's more efficient, elegant, simple to navigate. There's not, because one of the big issues is that it's very, very, very easy to get the actual file. So distribution is now free. You can copy files and send them out. That's free, but you can't monetize it. You can monetize all the other files, but music for some reason, you can't. It's a labyrinth of razor sharp. It's the Lord of the Rings, the wheel. Right. But uh, so we're we're trying to do it. And and you have to pay Sherpas and guides to guide you along just to get the funds from the service to you. If we can eliminate that whole razor sharp terrain and just make it a nice, smooth, stable foundation, everybody can build on top. And because it's ownerless, it's not as risky. If you take, for I think it was AOL, they were building an intranet. Nobody really wants to build on top of another company's stuff because what if that company changes a policy, changes the board, goes bankrupt, sells, anything can happen. Your whole foundation is is on sand. If they, you know, what if they up their charge 50%? You, oh, man, I, now my business model doesn't work anymore. I can't right. do this. By having it on, on the Muse blockchain, it's a permanent blockchain. It's a ledger that's there forever. Nobody has, there is no sole owner. So uh, you, you can right. safely build on it and it's not going away. It's like the internet. That's, they didn't want to build on AOL's intranet. Yeah, when the internet came out, everybody... If you have a choice between the one that might close down and the one that's eternal, right. you yeah. go with the eternal. Of course, yeah, right, yeah. right. Well, so does this solve the problem? There's, there's a lot of talk about you know, organizing metadata and ISRC codes and everything like that. So does this solve that problem? Not necessarily you, the, the yeah. existing ones, but the new one moving okay, forward. Okay, yes. So for the new ones moving forward, that, that would definitely, because you would just have one place where every time you record a track, you just put your information there. If ever the drummer dies, there's overdose. Okay. You can modify it. You don't have to do it for every service. They can all see that. 
as far as getting the old data, uh, that's, I mean, that requires man hours. And, yeah. Yeah. There's a right. lot of so. effort that would require a ton of funding. But yes, if, uh, essentially to get our beachhead markets, the independents. So the independents show up, they can upload their stuff, put it there. It's there forever. They can modify it if ever there's a change. Labels as well. Labels could come on and you, we could just write a script for them to do it. But as far as getting all that old music on there, this would require the label to, yeah, get in touch with us and we can manually do it, write a script that helps and verify everything. But that's depends how much music they have. Right. But yeah, we're going forward, it would be the most elegant solution in our mind. And that's why we built this. That's wow. So so do you really see this as really the future of music? I mean, we're at the future of music summit right now. <laughs> yeah, so. that's why we yeah. showed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um we actually launched it yesterday as yeah. This is recorded. It's, yeah, it's on the 26th. We launched it. It's very first version. We're having the peer tracks being alpha tested, invite only for artists. That way they can try it out. They can help us find if there's any interface bugs and everything. And we would want to launch an actual public facing peer tracks on uh, South by Southwest, awesome. if possible. That would awesome. be that would be the best. Yeah. So we would definitely see it as a future, not because it's our, our creation. We see it as PeerTracks is the poster child for the Muse blockchain. Muse does all the heavy lifting. PeerTracks provides kick-ass services only possible because of Muse. If anybody else sees that, they can just plug in. They don't have to ask PeerTracks permission. They don't have to call us and say, can I plug into PeerTracks? I mean, they could call us and we'll help them out with it for a fee, you know, because we have the expertise. But other than that, I mean, it's ownerless, it's permissionless, it's use is free. An artist could create his own little tipping app use a tipping app maybe you just you know make it rain swipe in with your phone whatever they could do right wow (laughs) i mean this is incredible so where can people find out about this how can the listeners connect with this and there's uh peertracks.com if you're a musician just go to peertracks.com there's a little artist sign up form you can sign up and depends when this airs either will i have no idea when this airs but Right now, we're taking signups and we're manually creating your profile. So you can have your profile, upload your music, we create your notes, we consult you with everything, of course. And then if you're satisfied, boom, we push out the, the profile, you can start inviting your fans. By March, you should be able to uh, just go there and create your profile like you're starting up a Facebook account. Otherwise, so peertracks.com and there's the Muse blockchain, actually museblockchain.com or .net or .org or .info. Any one of those four awesome. will lead you to uh, to the information website. You can read more about it. You can see how it works. Yeah, those would be the two main resources right now. That's great. Well, hey, well, anything else to add that was fantastic? I think we covered it. Yeah, awesome. I think we pretty much covered it. Awesome. Well, hey, well, there's Pure Tracks, and thank you so much, Cedric. Really All appreciate right. it. Thank and you. Uh, best of luck. I'll be signing up. Thanks to Josh, thanks to Cedric, and thank you, the listener, for listening to the show. Check out the links in the show notes once again to find out more about the company. And please share your thoughts via review on iTunes, a comment on SoundCloud, or hit us up on Twitter or email. And of course, you can also reach out to PeerTracks directly using their contact form. Uh, One more thing, uh, Josh, who is the author of this conversation, is doing some really cool stuff right now, music-wise. So uh, check out the description uh, to also go to to his website and see what he's doing. Uh, it's, It's pretty cool. So once again, thank you for listening and hear you next week.
You have been listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. Learn how we can help you improve your music career at wespin12.com. We Spin 